What is up, everybody? We are back with another episode of the Lovecast, and today we are going to begin by doing my absolute favorite segment. We did it last year. Jordan and I are going to do an NBA player stock evaluation draft. I fucking love doing this. And then later on, Butsy and Letty are going to come on and talk about the five teams that they believe to be contenders in the upcoming NBA season with a couple of long shots thrown in. So I'm excited to hear what they have to say about that. But without further ado, here is Jordan. All right, I'm here with Jordan. And today we are going to be drafting NBA player stocks, which is my favorite thing to do after the playoffs. Uh, We're always a little bit overreactory, I think, but it's still something I absolutely love doing. So the rules are as follows. We're going to figure out who goes first. We're going to go one after another, not Snake, because there's only two of us. We The goal is to draft five players. Two of them are going to be stock risers, i.e. the stock or value of this player has risen after the playoff performance. And two of them have to be stock fallers, i.e. their stock as a player has dropped due to a poor performance, whatever. The final position can be either a riser or a follow, faller. Um, so we're going to take turns drafting and I want it to be players that we haven't really talked about. So, I mean, you can draft Celtics players. I personally have no Celtics or heat players on here because I covered it with Mikey on the heat podcast. And I, we actually did a stock player evaluation for the Celtics and the heat. So I I think they covered it pretty well. I'm not going to really have like Nikola Jokic is not going to be on the list. We're not going to have Jimmy Butler, but if you have, you know, other stars, maybe a hot take, like those are where we're going to go. So we're going to we're gonna try and keep it with like low-key players, you know, stuff to make you think about. So not the complete off, obvious, obvious ones. Um, but without further ado, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, let me go first. So should we start risers or followers or it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take a riser. I'm going to take Jamal Murray off the board with my first pick. It, it is maybe kind of an obvious one, but I think this postseason actually surprised a lot of people and woke a lot of people up to how good Jamal Murray really is. He increased his scoring average by six points from the regular season. He averaged 20 this season, 26 this postseason on better efficiency. Um, he had an extra assist on the stat sheet, too. I think he proved he's one of the best second guys in the league, and I think he proved that Murray and Jokic are clearly the best duo in the league. The only other duo that really I think you could make an argument for is KD and Booker. Um, and obviously, I don't think Murray is better than either one of those guys. But I do think that he's put himself in that conversation for the best second guy in the league. The reason I think he's such a big riser is obviously I mentioned the the point disparity from the regular season. But he's been kind of forgotten about since the bubble um, because of his injuries. And because Denver's a small market, not a lot of people watch them. Even when they're a one seed, people like me doubted them um for for way too long and i think he's just so much more of a, a household name after this postseason run he's gonna make all-star games and he's clearly to me one of the best point guards in the league yeah he's a borderline you know guy to be be able to be picked on this in this game just because it's a kind of an obvious one like you said but i th- think people are or we're out on him, and I think people are starting to warm up to him because of what you mentioned. Denver is not 
a widely watched team. I think people that are in the know, people that actually follow the game of basketball itself more than the viewer that probably just watches their team, watches a ton of Denver because I know Denver was the team I watched second most of just because the way they play basketball is outrageous. Jokic is my favorite player in the league, you know, things like that. Um, I do think that, like you said, Jamal isn't that well known. He is now. I mean, he's arrived. Absolutely. I'm really interested in seeing what his peak is. I don't know what it is. He still has some changes that can be made. He can be a tad bit more efficient offensively. He can take some better shots. There are times with him offensively where I find myself getting really frustrated with him where I think sometimes he's like, I need to go get a bucket right now. And in reality, you should probably get the ball to Jokic and let him facilitate. But sometimes he does a thing where, you know, he dribbles into a double team or something and takes a a spinning, you know, kind of fader or something like that. And I I hate that type of basketball. But when you're that good, you know, you can do things like that. He's a lot of he's a big yes. uh, No, no, no. Yes. Guy in terms of he shoots the shot. and You're like, no, 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 no. Yes. Nice. Nice. Um, But yeah, good pick here. I'm with you. I'm I'm all in in Jamal Murray. He. I think of myself as a coming into this, I was definitely uh, a lot lower on him. I was more of a Jamal Murray. You know, I, I had some questions about him for what we just talked about, but yeah, he proved that he can get it done at the highest level. And he was a little bit more efficient and I, I was really impressed with him. And yeah, I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's crazy because he had a good season and obviously they're the one seed, but he only averaged 20 points a game. And I think that's kind of how people thought of him. And he wasn't an then, all-star, too. Yeah, and, and then to go average 26 in the playoffs, shoot so well, have make huge shots, come up clutch in so many games, and to watch how the Nuggets play um, when they really need a bucket, the ball is in Murray's hands. It's a Murray-Jokic pick-and-roll, and I just think a, a lot of people don't realize or didn't realize how good he was, and now they do. And not to mention he had more assists than Jokic, which was plus 5,000 odds. So yeah, pretty crazy. Um. Okay, great pick. My first pick, and I think this is my second favorite pick I have on my board, DeMontis Sabonis, and he is a faller for me. Going into this, I was a huge Sabonis guy. I thought he was going to become unlocked in this Warriors series. I was really excited to see, you know, he was, a, I believe, first-time All-Star. Um, I thought something was going to happen. I thought he was going to show that, Maybe Draymond was washed, things of that nature. The complete opposite happened. He got shut down this season, or this um, series, rather. I thought that I saw a guy who's extremely limited offensively, or a lot more limited than I thought, to be fair. And I was, I don't know, I was really upset with it. Not, I was just upset with the performance. Um, we know he's a great lefty. That's all he was doing in this Warrior series. He does not have the range to really extend out past um you know the paint really he i would like to see him develop a mid-range jumper he right now doesn't really have that and it was really obvious that he was just going left the whole time and trying to bowl through guys and it was getting him into some trouble uh his numbers in the in the season he averaged 19.1 points per game 12.3 rebounds per game 7.3 assists per game and he played 79 games, which is really good for a guy of his size. That means he only missed three games. The thing that stuck out to me is he did it on 61.5% from the field. Uh, that's what he shot, 61.5%. In the offseason, or postseason rather, he had 16.4 points per game, 
11 rebounds per game, 4.7 assists per game, and he shot 49.5% from the field. His efficiency went down a ton. His passing was really went down. And I just thought offensively and a little bit mentally in the game, I think I think Draymond really broke him and this Warriors offense broke him. And I thought he was a more dynamic player than that. And I, I'm I'm down on him right now. I think his stock is falling. But I do want to invest. I think it's a good time to invest in this low stock, but I think his stock is falling. Yeah. The the Draymond thing is what I was gonna bring up is Draymond's a great defender and a tough matchup for Sabonis. And Draymond is obviously he's been in the league forever. He's been a great defender forever and he's super smart. So him daring Sabonis to shoot and Sabonis, you know, not missing the shots and then being hesitant, that has a lot to do with Draymond. But yeah, I I thought it was really surprising because he shot the ball really well um, during the season and he seemed to score almost at will. And it it was just kind of surprising to see that glaring of a weakness. I, I know, Obviously, shooting's not his bread and butter, but if you left him open in the regular season, he was knocking that down much more consistently. So, yeah, I think he got a little bit in his own head, and I do kind of agree with you. Like, it is, it's not a bad time to invest to to buy low in that stock because I think he'll have a bounce back and he'll improve. Um, it was to me, it all stemmed from the shooting and the hesitancy um, in in terms of being a scoring threat. I think that led to to all the passing stuff, the efficiency stuff, everything you mentioned. So. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I um I also there was just times in that game in those games when the Kings needed some offense outside of De'Aaron cuz remember De'Aaron Fox got gets hurt in the series kind of injures his hand I think. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty evident that I mean he was awesome, but it was still relatively evident that they needed their second star to step up and Sabonis at times looked pretty shell-shocked and then later I, you you know when the team starts falling apart, or players specifically, you know they bowl over a guy, they get a charge, um, they get a blocking foul, things of that nature, um, frustration fouls they're normally called. He was starting to get those, and that's when I got a little scared for him. Yeah. All right, let me go to a faller now, and I'm kind of surprised this guy wasn't your number one pick. I'm guessing he's on your board. I'm gonna go with Jordan Poole. No. Oh, yes, he is on the board. Yep. Sorry. He's he's on the board. Okay. Oh, yeah. So compared to last playoffs, his points per game went down seven. He he averaged 17 last year, <laughs> down to 10 this year. Field goal percentage dropped by 16% from 50 to 34. And his minutes went down by five minutes per game. So you can see Steve Kerr doesn't have the trust in him anymore. The chemistry is obviously off with the teammates, um, kind of not trusting him anymore, not wanting him to shoot those same shots that he was shooting last year and just not trusting him with the ball in his hands in big moments like it seemed like they could um at least in certain games throughout last year's run i think his confidence was clearly shaken i think he felt that the team and the coach didn't really believe in him and and were so he he kind of had a much shorter leash this year um because he wasn't shooting the ball as well and now does some of this stem from Draymond punching him in the face in training camp like Yes, I absolutely think yes, because um, it throws off the chemistry and it, it just it makes you question everything you do a, as a player when something like that happens with one of the leaders of the team. But the punch aside, he just plays out of control. He takes bad shots. He's so talented, which is why it's so frustrating, because 
when you watched him in last year's run, everyone, all of us, and maybe this was an overreaction, was thinking, wow, this guy is so young. He's so talented. Maybe he can be a future all-star. Maybe if he eventually leaves Golden State, he can be even more than just an all-star. He can be, you know, the leader of a team and and the um, offensive kind of the, the guy that an offense circles around. And now I think he's shown that the way he plays, um, he kind of got a pass for being out of control last year. It it's it's too far now and I don't know what the difference was overall this year that caused the shooting percentage to go down so much but a lot of it is mental and yeah I'm he's like the definition of a faller for this segment for me yeah this is uh this is he should have been a first pick I mean Jamal Murray's a great pick if you didn't have so many dynamic performances in this uh off or playoffs I keep calling the off season um, then I think he would have been a first pick, but yeah, you, you covered it perfectly. I, are you a Jordan Poole guy? Have you ever been a Jordan Poole guy? I, I was we last year. Last yeah, year, last year we no, both were. Actually, it's kind of bad podcasting by us because last year's risers and Faller segments, Jordan Poole was my first riser. And, <laughs> well, and okay, it, it's not really podcasting; it's performance based. I mean, this is ridiculous—the drop off. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I I remember. Now, I mean, clearly we were big Jordan Poole guys, and now I can't stand him, honestly. And I'm ready. I sold all my stock. It's gone. I've invested yeah. a little a little portion of it into Sabonis uh regular season stock. Um and yeah, I'm gonna I'm holding on so, to it. maybe a little Sohan sprinkle. Yeah, so I still believe in Jordan Poole and in his talent. I think a lot of it does stem from the punch, and if they can work stuff out and he has great coaches around him. He has great leaders around him. Um, I mean, if you want to call Draymond a great leader, but I, I'm referring to Steph and Clay. Um, Iguodala's probably been a big influence for him. Obviously, the coaches are awesome in Golden State. So I think there is a world where he gets back to where he was. Um, I, but for the time being, it's just it was hard to watch him this postseason, and it was hard to watch the fall off because we did kind of see – in the finals last year, the minutes kind of start to come down um, and the the big games start to go away and the bad games start to get sprinkled in a little bit more. But I still thought, well, maybe he was just a little cold. He, his shots weren't going down. It's more than shots just not going down this year. It's the whole play style for me. So, yeah, you're I, yeah, I uh, in the past, but, too, just a lot of bad yeah. decisions. But you don't think he can bounce back from this. I still think he can get back there. I think he's so young, and I think he has all of the the right people around him. I don't think he can't bounce back. I just think this is who he is. Like, I think he's more on the scale of things. I think he's more Kevin Porter Jr. than uh, a name a guard that's really good and smart. <laughs> Jamal Murray. Halliburton. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, he has more. he has more of the Kevin Porter Jr., way of playing than the Tyrese Halliburton pass first smart play yeah. play style. Um I know Butsy was saying that like he's gonna grow and everything and yeah, no shit, but we don't go through at least as basketball players, I mean you don't see a transformation where the guy becomes a cerebral player all of a sudden. He also he got paid, didn't he? He got paid Yeah, he got paid. This... He he was this is this is a thing we need to keep track of too. Who's in a contract year? Yeah, because he was in a contract year when he was a riser, and now he gets the bag, and he's in a tough year. I mean, it is 
a one of a kind season. He got punched in the face by the captain. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I I gotta I gotta give some credit to that. But I mean, even when he was really really good and we were all over him, there was parts of his game that I was like, you got it. that part I don't like. But other than that, I'm willing to look for look through it. Um, I th- I just think he's more. Yeah, he's more one one thing that we know he is, and that is he is flashy and is looking to make the highlight play, um, uh, and most of the time that's to his detriment. Right, and the the one part we disagree on is I think he can break out of the mindset of always wanting to make the highlight play. I think he's so young, and I think the coaches and and Steph will help him come out of that because. For him, after seeing the results this year, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, okay, what am I doing wrong? And what was I doing right? Like, what what parts of my game can I keep? Um, and, and that helped me be successful. But what parts of my game do I have to kind of get rid of and change in order to be more successful than I was this year? And I think yeah. he can do that. So we'll see. And he drives me nuts because he has the length, athleticism, physical tools to be a good defender. And he just... And shooting ability. Like, not... Th- that, that can't go overlooked that there's so few people who can hit the shots that he hits. And that's such a big part of why he takes the bad shots because he can make them, but just cause you can make a shot doesn't mean you should take a shot. Um, it's, it's more like if the shot clock's winding down, um, if you're red hot, like, yeah, then you can take those shots, but he takes those shots far, far too often. So, yeah, he just, he's the perfect, um, concoction of, of to make a player that i just am not a fan of you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah you you wouldn't you wouldn't like that type no. of player i mean I, a flashy I'm, guy yeah no i'm not that's not my style um okay great pick my next pick is De'Aaron fox and he is a riser damn it the, okay yeah yeah <laughs> he could be a first pick too wow you went you went both of the kings guys one and I two went, this was a very transformative season or uh, series for my. So yeah. far, we haven't gone out of the series other than the first pick. Yeah, it's been Warriors King series, but yeah, I I thought this series. Well, this one I think was my favorite series of the postseason. It it, it was absolutely the best series. That's a good point. Yeah, and I I just I watched. I mean, I watched every second of all the playoff series, but I really was like, just glued to my screen for this yeah. one, and um. I love I love this Kings team too. But um okay, so De'Aaron Fox in the, during the regular season, he averaged 25 points, 6.1 assists, 4.2 rebounds. He shot the ball um from 3 32.4%. In the off or oh my gosh, I keep saying it. In the postseason, De'Aaron Fox averaged 27.4 points, 7.7 assists, 5.4 rebounds and he shot the ball 33.3%. He flipped a switch and I think earlier iterations of De'Aaron Fox I had a lot of questions about him running a team being a leader um we just hadn't seen him be a winning player and the Tyrese Halliburton trade is made and obviously I reacted I we had a podcast by then we were I personally was very anti this trade I thought it was a really bad trade because you know how much I love Tyrese Halliburton for the Kings you thought it was a bad trade for the Kings yep I, for the Pacers, I thought the Pacers fleeced the Kings. I thought the Kings really fucked themselves over and did a Kings thing. Well, this is one of the most even trades in NBA history, like such a win-win trade, which you very rarely get. Um, in Sabonis, they get a guy who works really, really well with De'Aaron Fox. 
But to me, De'Aaron Fox just took another step. Um, I believe he had the most clutch points this offseason. Or, oh my goodness, this regular season. <laughs> I don't know why I keep saying this. Uh, he had the most clutch points during the regular season. So that's points within, I believe, uh, a specific score range in a specific time. I think it's like a five-point range. In clutch like, player of the year. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. And he deserved it. He went up in every statistical category in the playoffs. He went up in points, average points, average assists, and average rebounds per game. He also shot the ball better from three. And he really took over a bunch of these Kings games. He got chippy with Draymond. I fucking love that. And he showed that when he was the focal point of the defense, he still showed up and delivered and played his ass off. I am so impressed with De'Aaron Fox. I'm all the way in. And I think it's a matter of time before we see this guy become a legitimate star. And if not, if he's not already a bona fide star. Yeah, the... The perception of De'Aaron Fox going into the season versus what it is now could not be more different because mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many people, first of all, didn't talk about De'Aaron Fox, but second of all, if they did talk about De'Aaron Fox, were like disappointed with his play and kind of out on him. And now he, like you said, he was one of the best clutch players. He he was the best clutch player this whole year. And even in that series, he took over down the stretch in multiple games, hit huge shots, had huge moments. Um, and I think you could make the argument if he didn't significantly injure his hand that the Kings could have won that series or would have won that series. So, and even with the the broken hand, he still played all right. And he was not the reason that the Kings lost. So I think that's a phenomenal pick. I probably would have taken him. Instead, I will go to the big man and the MVP as a faller. Joel Embiid. He's on my board. <laughs> Isn't that kind of weird? The yeah. guy who won the MVP is a faller. But we're going off of postseason. So, obviously, this year, the regular season was the best season of his career. Uh, gets his first MVP. I don't know what his stats were, but they were somewhere in the, the range of, like, 32 and 12, 32 and 13, something around there. Um, So, amazing regular season. And then going in the playoffs, like, they were scary. Uh they they were a threat to win this championship. I thought Philly had a good enough supporting cast to go all the way. And Embiid, you can say what you want about Harden. Harden won this team two games um, with 40-point performances. And Embiid came up small in, really, in two really big games in the last two games of that Celtics series. Um, obviously lost the 3-2 lead. And I think the other thing for me was before this season – the Jokic Embiid thing was kind of a debate who's the best center in the league. And now it's just not even close because Embiid kind of let it slip away. Um, I thought he looked passive in those, those big moments. And I thought he looked like um, a guy you could actually contain and bother. And he wasn't supposed to be that he was supposed to be an unstoppable offensive force. And the only way you could, you know, stop him was, or, or beat the Sixers was by shutting down the other guys. So the other thing, and maybe this is unfair, but the Jokic Embiid thing, Jokic doesn't care about anything except winning. We texted about it today. He even missed games and didn't try in the MVP, like when the MVP race was closest because the Nuggets already had the one seed locked up. So he was like, he was kind of dialing it back, saving himself for the playoffs and basically handed this MVP to Joel Embiid. Um, when the MVP race, like I said, was it was anyone's and Jokic clearly took his foot off the gas and this isn't a knock on Embiid because I think it's okay to care about winning an MVP. I think that's awesome. I think you should want to be the MVP of the league, but 
it it when it when you lose in the fashion he did, um, it, it just takes away from it for me. Yep, I completely agree. I think Joel Embiid has shown an inability to play with other stars. He has not elevated those other stars. He plays a style of basketball where he sort of you can see him get into his own head at times when it goes downhill and he has really bad body language on the court. He, the way that he falls and flops around really gets him injured a lot. It's hard for him to stay healthy. I think there's questions about his conditioning. He looks like he's going to die at the end of some games. Jokic clearly has better conditioning and we don't even think of Jokic as the most conditioned player. (laughs) And I don't know. He says things in the media about his teammates that I we hated. He said, "Absolutely, I I should have brought that up. That's a good point." Yeah, that's unacceptable when you're the face of a franchise. Um, he seems like he might be a little bit hard to coach. Um, yeah. Now I do want to say, uh, sorry to cut you off, but I, I I'm not like saying he's not a superstar. He's not a great no, player. No, he is. He's amazing. He's absolutely a superstar. You could argue he's top five. I think. For me at this point, he's probably not top five um, after after this series and this playoff run. But before these playoffs, I think the argument was starting to come in is if he is the best player in the world. And that argument is so far gone now for me. Um, I think it's it's clearly Jokic and Giannis um, is the guy in second. And then Steph after that are the only three guys that I would even consider hearing an argument for. So Embiid for me just kind of... He he just surprised me with how poorly uh, or the lack of aggression in those big games. I do want to give him his flowers because he played some of the best defense I've seen <laughs> from a center in, in uh, the time that I've watched basketball. The Celtics were scared to go to the rim and really struggled at the rim that whole series. But still, that, that, that that's why the segment is weird, because he's a faller and he still did great things in that series. And he, I still think he's such a good player. It's just the change in perception um, from where I was before this, the the playoffs. Yeah, he he's a good pick. I he's so good, and when he's not playing the Celtics, I absolutely love watching him play. When he is playing the Celtics, he drives me nuts. But when he's not, I mean, there's there's very few players in the league that can hit shots that this guy hits. Who have the body type of this guy? He's a unicorn, and when he's right, he's one of the most fun players to watch in the league. So I just want to see him get it all together. And yeah, I don't know. I'm. He's not he's not getting any younger, he's not getting any healthier, he's not gaining athleticism. That's all. I, I think uh Al Horford blocked his shot like two yeah. shots in a row, so we can just leave it at that. Yep. Okay. This one is my third favorite pick. I'm picking Kawhi Leonard as a faller. Wow. He is so, not on my board. I have a question. In eleven seasons, how many times has Kawhi played more than seventy games? Oh, seventy? Yeah, That's more than 70. Got to be like two. Perfect. Yep. He played 72 <laughs> games in 2015 and 2016, and he won 17, 74 games. He played 74 games in 2016-2017. Um, after that season, okay, the 2016-2017 games, how many times has he played more than 61 games? Uh, I mean – probably none yeah you're right he's played <laughs> he's played he played nine games 60 games 57 games 52 games and 52 games 
in this season, in these playoffs, he played two games. In a series that was a must-win series for the Clippers to get out of round one, they lose. They go on to lose 4-1 to a severely depleted Suns team with very, very, very little um, depth compared to the Clippers roster, which has a ton of depth. Kawhi Leonard was the key. They needed him to go up against, against KD. The first two games, he looked like old Kawhi Leonard. I thought the KD-Kawhi matchup, I was going to write a piece about how this was the playoff series that we didn't know we needed or deserved, but we do. Um, I was going to write that this was a generational playoff series. I was super excited to watch it. Kawhi goes after two great games. He doesn't play for the rest of the series. You're paying this guy a ridiculous amount of money. Like Joel Embiid, he's not getting any younger. He's not getting any more athletic. He doesn't talk to management at all about what's going on. He has his own management, I guess, or uh, doctors, whatever. And I think it's really hard to have him as a face of your franchise when he's never there. Um, so it's not. this is not performance-based. It's lack of performance-based. But I'm having him as a faller because I think he's stunting this Clippers team. I couldn't agree more with you about it's hard to have him as the face of your team. I Nothing to do said, with performance. It's nothing to do with performance. He, I think he still is one of the top guys in the league. He doesn't when play. When he plays, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. like, how how do you fault a guy for being injured? I, I get the load management faulting him for, but the playoffs, like, he'd be playing if he could play. I know. You know, well, you know? I, I, you can't, it's like you have to fault him for being injured because the best guys, the guys that bring you to all these championships aren't injured when they're doing it. Or they're, let me put it this way, they're playing, they're playing through injury. Or yeah. figuring it out. The thing is, too, is that it's happened so many times. Like, yeah, I guess there's only so many passes you can give a guy. So, yeah, I see that. I, I get where you're coming you from. Let me ask you this. Would you trade Kawhi Leonard for Jalen Brown? Uh, Yeah, I, 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 I would, too. I would. <laughs> I would, too. Would you trade him for Tatum? Wait, who's who's trading who? Like, who, what team am I? You're the Celtics. Oh, I would not trade Tatum for Kawhi. Who? What's like the best superstar you would trade him for? Yeah, I I don't think you would trade a superstar to get That's, Kawhi. So yeah, there you go. And Kawhi is a superstar level talent. He's so hard to manage, and he doesn't play. And when your best player just he's played two playoff games, that's really, yeah. that's unacceptable. It it I like what you said too about the Sun series because I truly think the Clippers would have won that series. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, Paul George was out too, so probably not. But if they were fully healthy, I think the Clippers would have won that series. Oh, yeah, they should have. Okay, so it is my turn for a riser, I think. And both my risers were obvious, but I don't care. Give me Caleb Martin. Oh, yeah. This guy, he scored 9.6 points per game this season. It only jumped to 12.7 in the playoffs, so it's not a crazy jump for the playoffs overall. Um the shooting percentage jumped 6%, which was great, but it's not all about the numbers. It's more about the Eastern Conference Finals specifically and how he, if Caleb Martin doesn't play the way he played in those Eastern Conference Finals, the Heat would not have been in the NBA Finals and the Celtics would have been. So he averaged 19 in that series on 60% shooting. And I saw that number and I honestly thought it was going to be higher because watching that series, it 
it felt like every shot he took went in. He shot 49% from three. And, like, that's just ridiculous for a guy who scored 9.6 a game during the season. He also had three 20-point games, two 25-point games. He had 26 in the game set in the closeout game um, in Boston. So I think Caleb Martin earned himself a new contract. Uh, his contract comes up after next next season. And I think he kind of gave himself a, a, a spot as a consistent role player in this league. No matter if he stays with Miami or not, he's still young enough that he's going to play for a lot longer in this league. And teams are not going to forget about how good Caleb Martin was in this run. Yeah. Great pick. I mean, you covered it. He, he, he's on a contract, so he didn't really save himself like too much, but this series, this season saved himself the series. He, maybe got himself a second contract after this one. I mean, it's early to say, cause I think he's on a four year contract, something like that, but um, yeah, I yeah. think it's just, he goes from being a relatively unknown player or he was out of the league. He was about out of the league. Jay Cole yeah. saved him. Right. You know so, that story. Yeah. Um, but that was, so he's been with Miami. He was with Miami last year, but before that, yeah, he was not being picked up by anyone. And, and Jay Cole, obviously uh, they like worked out together and Jay Cole, hit up Karan Butler, who was the Heat assistant, and Butler brought in Martin and obviously got him a spot on the team. And then last year he was fine, but this year obviously has this crazy run, explodes. And now I think he's going to be thought of as um, a high-end role player, like the, the kind of guys that we talk about with Bruce Brown and uh, Caldwell, who, who, Pope. Caldwell Pope, those type of guys. Um, he's going to be in that conversation for – when when those guys are on the market, teams are going to fight over them, and they're they're going to get paid, and they're going to have jobs for as long as they're playing at this level. Yep, good pick. Um, my my final riser, or not my final riser, but my next pick is Devin Booker. Um, mm. I don't know. We don't need to go in depth on this. He was putting up historical numbers all up until like the last couple of games when they lost and. I'm a massive Devin Booker guy. Are you a big Devin Booker guy? I I'm a I'm a big Booker guy. Yeah, I would say I, I don't am. understand the hate on him. What do, I don't get it? No, I don't think there's hate. I think people there's... really hate him. I, there's a lot on Twitter. People, I mean, Twitter's a cesspool, but yeah, people really I, I, hate Devin Booker. I don't really um, think of Twitter as the place to go for like yeah. what what people think of you, but I think the thing is people. Like NBA media, certain players get talked about in a way that they are either a superstar or they're not. And a lot of people think he's not. And I honestly, after this, I, th I think he, he might be. I don't know. He's got, he's got, oh, I hate this fucking phrase, but he's got the dog in him, dude. The, I wish, <laughs> I wish Tatum had what yes. he had. There's a fire in him that Tatum lacks at times. Yeah. You see it, you see it come out, but. It's always there with Devin Booker. Devin Booker talks shit the entire time. He gets in your face. I like that from him. Um, yeah, I fucking love watching him play, too. I just love what he does. And I think his defense has really been he's – a, he's a legit two-way player now. Absolutely, yeah. You also – you didn't bring up the crazy numbers, which I guess maybe yeah. you didn't have to because it, it was comical, the stuff he was doing yeah. in that uh, second-round series against the Nuggets. Um, th there's, like, a legitimate question now with – KD getting older and, and maybe not playing the same way that he was even a year ago. Like, 
and I, I don't want to speculate about KD's performance, but there is a question of who's the best player on the Suns right now. And that's that's a crazy thing to say when Kevin Durant is on the team. Yep. Yep. You're right. All right. Who's your last pick? Can be a riser or a faller. Okay. So my last pick, uh, I'm between <laughs> I'm between two guys. I I'll go the happy route. I'll go with the riser. I'm gonna go with Jalen Brunson. So great pick. I, I thought this playoff run, he kind of proved that he can lead a team as your primary scoring option. And he was the only guy on the Knicks who, who was consistently scoring on the heat every game. And the heat actually had trouble guarding. And I think he, this run reshaped the way that I thought about him compared to a year ago. And he, yes, he, he played amazing last year in Dallas as a second option to Luca. We all knew he was a good player there's not many who thought that he had this in him. I don't know if anyone thought he had this in him, maybe other than the New York Knicks. When when Brunson got signed to the Knicks, I, I thought it was almost a waste of money. Um, I thought it was a little bit lateral. I thought it made them better, but but wouldn't you know be a significant building block for them. And now it's like they're legitimately one piece away. And, and it's a big piece, but if... If Julius Randle had played better that series, if you could replace Julius Randle with a slightly better player than him, that Knicks team is as legit. They're they're deep. Um, and like I said, Brunson is is now one of the top point guards. When you look around the league, he can score, he can pass, he makes the right decision every time. He's a little bit small for defense. He gets picked on a little bit, but I I, I think he's a huge riser this postseason, even though they went out in the second round. Um, when he got signed, it felt like it was a you didn't get Donovan Mitchell, so you got your you know next best yeah. option. Now there's legit questions about whether or not he's better than Donovan Mitchell. Um, yeah, he changed what I thought of him. I didn't think he could do what he did consistently, and it's got to be really hard to do that on a team with Julius Randle. That's about yeah. <laughs> like we are not Julius Randle's fans on this podcast. Yeah, I have I have Randall um on the board for the Fallers, but Yeah, I figured that's kind of what I thought it was. <laughs> um, He's a go-to Brunson... favorite pick. Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. It just would have been too obvious. But the Brunson and Donovan thing a year ago was a joke. Like yeah. it, it was not even close. Brunson was thought of as a solid second option, but some people had him as like is he a third option? Is he like a borderline maybe a second option? And I thought he was a good second option for Luca, but I did not know. Like, he was really the engine of this Knicks team. And whenever he was on the court, I felt like they had a chance to win. And now it's like calling into question Luca's play style. It's like he was stifling this guy for so long. That's true. Yeah. I mean, granted, they like Brunson does need the ball in his hands, and you're not going to take the ball out of Luca's hands. So it's not the perfect fit. But yeah, he was like a little bit stifled for sure. Yeah. So great pick. My final pick, and I think this is my favorite pick. I am going for a bunch of players, not just one. And I call these guys the locker room old guys. So it's Kevin Love, Kyle Lowry, DeAndre Jordan, Udonis Haslam, PJ Tucker. All these DeAndre guys. DeAndre Jordan bringing... is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, all these guys brought experience and leadership, and maybe they didn't even play, but they were all talking a bunch helping the young guys out. And I think that all those guys were key parts of teams that were relatively successful. I know I'm including PJ Tucker, who 
I think he played too much, honestly. But I do think he was, <laughs> he was a key part of the series for the Sixers. Um, well, he stole a game for them, didn't he? Yeah. Didn't he, like, he had a, a, a back and, a, and one in a huge moment. Yes, and I think the teams that did not do well, Clippers, Suns, Knicks, Nets, um, Celtics, Warriors, all those guys. I mean, Warriors don't really need it because they have Steph Curry, Draymond, who can kind of fill in that role. But all those teams didn't really have those old locker room guys that, you know, get at go at the star player and the star player has to listen to them because they have experience. You saw DeAndre Jordan in that huddle really taking over talking to the guys um you know just really being um a veteran and bringing a lot of veteran expertise i think you could throw blake griffin on that list and i mean the celtics made it relatively far farther than pj tucker and the six and the sixers but yeah i mean i i think that these guys are really really important um you get them on the vet minimum or whatever and i think that they transform a locker room and i think the key to winning is being successful at the right time. I mean, in the NBA and a lot of the times when it's like right when you're about to hit your prime, but when you have these younger teams and you're trying to, you know, succeed, like Denver is a relatively young team or they're not relative. They are a young team. And I think Deandre Jordan was the adult in the room that really settled guys down. Um, I think he did a lot of work with Michael Porter jr. Uh, which is important. Things like that. Maybe Jamal Murray too. So I just think that these guys are really important, and I think that every team should try and get one because, you know, they help, they bring a lot of stuff even though they might not play. Yeah, and I, I think the Blake Griffin one is a, different than all of the other ones you mentioned because it was his first year on the team. Mm-hmm. And all those other guys, I think, that you mentioned have been on the team for at least more than a year. Jordan was like a year and a half or something, but yeah. Yeah. That's so fair. Right. Um, yeah. But still, like, DeAndre Jordan was far more vocal than I th- I thought Blake was. I, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone in that Celtics locker room was really taking charge of those huddles other than Marcus Smart. Um, but I, I love the Kyle Lowry pick because he actually stepped up his play in a huge way. Yeah. And uh, Kevin Love I, won a game. Kevin Love. Kevin Love, absolutely. Game. He was a he was the adjustment in game two. It was that was the only adjustment was, yeah. <laughs> was putting Kevin Love in and. Uh, he also had a he had good game like he played great throughout. So I thought maybe he was just you know too too old and too too much tread on the tires to play over whatever it was twenty two minutes. Um, but yeah, Lowry and Love really stepped up their play. Obviously, we talk about Udonis Haslam and like we make fun of Udonis and and DeAndre Jordan and because they don't play. But I agree they're they're super valuable. PJ Tucker's the one, like you said, he probably played too much. Um, yeah, but, yeah. But then again, the Sixers aren't super deep. And but there's that clip of him screaming at Embiid. Yeah, and that's that's the stuff that you need. And that's the stuff Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown need. And I, I pray that we just bring in a locker room guy who doesn't have to play and who can provide us with that. That that would be absolutely perfect for the Celtics. But I can't think of yeah, who. Yeah, that's could a good be pick. Other than well. Blake. It was the guys you just mentioned. So if any yeah. one of those guys are a free agent, we gotta <laughs> send them. Like a, you don't want a contract. You don't want, like you don't want Westbrook. You don't want Wall. You don't want no, no. But like you want the guys that age range. Yes, I agree. Um, speaking of Russ, he was on my board as a riser. <laughs> uh give me. Uh, did you give me the other guys on your board? Okay. Um, we don't have to go super in depth on this, but no. I had, no. 
Draymond as a riser. And good thing I just deleted the rest of my board. So I, <laughs> How I, did I you have Draymond as a riser? <laughs> oh, dude. His passing and defense, I mean, he he won that Kings series for the for the Warriors. I he lost the Lakers series though. Yeah. That's a really good point. <laughs> I so, mean, no. You, it's fair. I think Draymond just, he, is a, he, he went up anomaly. in every statistical category. I mean, he went down by point three in rebounds. But he went, he actually, I don't know why I said what he went. That was just a plain lie. He went up in points. <laughs> he went down by point three in rebounds, and then he went up. He stayed even in assists. Um, his three point percentage. I mean, really, it was more of the King series. Is like this is why you put up with Draymond's bullshit because yeah, he can mentally decimate teams. Um. I guess I didn't put that much thought into the Lakers series um, because I forgot about it. But yeah, no, I, I <laughs> yeah, I, I just tried to block that series out. It was too. I know you were invested. That was your main series. Cause I think that the was Lakers. the second best series of of the playoffs yeah. in terms of entertainment. It was just watch, two teams that I despise going head to head. That's so true. Like, yeah, it was hard for me. Um, but yeah, bad pot, bad research on mine. The other guys on my board, so Booker, you mentioned. I have Reeves as a big riser. I thought about drafting Reeves. Oh, yeah, Reeves Reeves was on my board. Um, oh, Trey Young as a faller. Sorry, Trey Young as a faller was on mine. Trey Young, he was a faller last year. I think, I think I'm just – I'm the same on Trey. Like, I just knew this was – He got <laughs> worse. Was he, he, some, he, dude, he, he, he can't shoot right now. Or he, yeah. he, he couldn't shoot. That's all well, he could do. It, it happens in the playoffs when teams take him out of the game. Like, Miami yeah. did it. Last year, I think. So, I don't know. I, I stayed the same on Trey. But I I did think about him. Um, I just didn't put him on there. Reeves played amazing. Russ, we had to literally apologize to <laughs> on yeah. the podcast because of how good he played. Um, oh. Then I had Fox, Bam as a riser. And I had Rui, too. Do you want to rank the worst fan bases and your favorite? <laughs> just real quick. The worst team. fan bases. Can I go? Because I've been thinking about it, and I was going to do yeah. this segment, but I don't think I have enough to make it a segment, so I just want to run through it. Really yeah, quickly. let me hear it. So number one, Warriors fans, um, you guys don't know shit, and you guys <laughs> you guys didn't even know your team existed until 2015. Um, you guys think you can do no wrong, and you guys are the worst fan base in the NBA. Number two is specifically Russ fans. You guys <laughs> suck. These are all our TikTok enemies. Um, yeah. Well, these guys, they, they don't know. They like, they don't look at numbers or games or, or statistics. They just fucking suck. And I they just remember 2016 and that's yes. it. Um, number three is Toronto fans. You guys also oh, suck. Wow. You guys are, well, I mean, cheering when KD got injured. Um, you guys are absolutely ridiculous and heinous <laughs> on Twitter and. I despise you guys. Um, and then I couldn't really think of a fourth for team fans that I love as a Celtics fan. Number one is Lakers fans. I I actually love Lakers fans because they're smart. They know their history, and like we do have this like hatred back and forth, but they're understanding and they're loyal and they understand the game and they understand history. And I really like Lakers fans. See, to me, I think Lakers have kind of the bandwagon stuff that we talk about with Miami, where it's just a bunch of rich dudes that are like, oh, yeah, let's just go to the Lakers game. But they don't really care about watching I, the game. I, that bugs me. Have you me. been to L.A.? No, uh, well, yes, but I mean, not to a game. No, but I'm, yeah, like I, I think it's I think it's 
different. I, I know some Lakers fans, and I think that it's not that way, to be honest with you. I think the ones that are fans of LeBron that came yeah. over, to, I think that's what you're looking at. Yeah, I don't know. I Sometimes, I, I we've said it all with Miami. It's the same. I'll make the same argument for LA, that it's just rich old guys who don't care about basketball that yeah. take up a lot of space in that arena sometimes. I think you you see that courtside because it's celebrities, but I do I think that it's not that. I think that Lakers fans are actually pretty awesome. Um, yeah, and then I love Denver fans. Obviously, never had gotta go Kings. King gotta Kings go might Kings. be number one. Yeah, King, Kings actually should have been number one. Um, love Kings fans. Um, yeah, really. I I want to put Charlotte fans. I I don't think there are any so i just wanted to put them in the middle. <laughs> I, don't, I don't i've never met a charlotte fan i don't, I don't know anyone I, i've never met a charlotte fan either i don't know how you could put them on no i on is just they're in the middle don't know don't know anything yeah. about them i've never had an interaction with a charlotte fan um but yeah those are kind of my picks for fan base i hate fan base i love give me yours i think i think that was good maybe i mean i i, I like the small market the idea of small market um fan bases like becoming good as their teams get better so i think milwaukee deserves a mention at least um yeah oh milwaukee fans are are kind of annoying they think they're the only team that has injuries ever <laughs> i mean like are are you really just going off a couple tw- guys on twitter <laughs> like you how yeah. many milwaukee fans do you know <laughs> yeah really tiktok <laughs> it was the tiktok our comments were the first reason i thought of this cuz the warriors fans were ridiculous they actually suck like fuck you guys um and then the russ fans sucked ass too they told us to lead our podcast which is funny um yeah and then clippers fans were getting on me because i said bones highland was bad um yeah the way like Nikola Jokic that aged like fucking milk how are you guys doing <laughs> the way i do this is just thinking of that home arena how loud it is and how passionate I feel like the fans are. Memphis has good fans. No, uh, I, I, no, they have, I, they, they have, been they're loud. Head. No, they I are. Know, but go as a Celtics fan, these Memphis fans were fucking crazy. I actually did not really enjoy them, to be honest with you. There in was, what, a, I knew in a what lot context? of context. Huh? Why? Oh, cause you live down there. Gotcha. I lived down there and I knew a shit ton of them and they were fucking nuts. They were like, there was some that I really liked, and then there were some that were just ridiculous. That the Tennessee has this idea, and like it's same thing with the Vols. They're not really. I think maybe it's a southern thing. They're not very um, logical with their team sometimes, where they just a good thing happens and they just are like, "Oh, we're winning. We're winning everything." And dude, that literally you just described yourself after the Celtics beat the Sixers. Yeah, so maybe I'm just a, I mean I guess I'm just a hypocrite, but I mean no, dude, I was I would consider myself a very realistic Celtics fan. That's true. No, I was just I was just yanking your chain. Yeah, because I mean I I think the whole time I also said we should sign Dylan Brooks at one point. So yeah, um, yeah. I'm looking at the the teams now, and Thunder have a great fan base. Yeah, always do. have since yeah. I've been alive. The Knicks, I think, when you talk about oh, passion suck, and loyalty, dude. But dude you they're think passionate. about this like like yeah, and we hate Philly fans, we hate the Knicks fans, but like they're good. If you play for that team, you like your fans. Yeah, like the NBA is more fun when the Knicks are good. Yeah. But they are their fans drive me nuts because they'll talk about a team where one one you have one good they made a documentary about having two good weeks from a player. <laughs> 
they needed something. Like <laughs> <laughs> they, I don't know. That, they had a, that an above average player point. for two weeks, and they made an entire fucking <laughs> documentary about it. Uh, Lynn Sanity was. It was awesome. if if that happened in another city for another team, it wouldn't have been that. And I think no. that speaks to how how uh, impressive of a fan base that is. I want to give you my the rest of the guys on my board for followers. Did you actually delete all your lists? Actually, I accidentally did. And I honestly, I'm, I'll remember them as you say them. <laughs> OK, tell me if you had any of these guys. You told me you didn't have any Celtics, but I have both. I have Tatum and Jalen. I also have Joe Missoula. He, he was who I was. <laughs> he was I guess, who I was debating. <laughs> I guess if they're followers or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Missoula, I had third in my followers. I I almost took him over Caleb Martin, but I or no, not over Caleb Martin, over whoever my last pick was. I don't even know. Um, So I have the three main guys on the Celtics. I have Randall, even though he was hurt. I have uh, I mean, Draymond. He should just be a perma draft. <laughs> Randall, Randall, constant stock falling. Randall no, it's not true, falling. dude. Randall was so good during the regular season. He was That's so he good. Every year, he puts up numbers during the regular <laughs> season. The minute it becomes playoff time, he falls apart. Yeah, it it was just. I thought. I don't know. He tricked me again. I guess because I thought he was. I thought he was good again. Um, I, I have I Draymond remember... as a follower because I think he ruined their season. What were you gonna say? Sorry, I keep cutting you off, but I I just I remember being like, um, this can't be it. This can't I can't be wrong about Russ, and I can't be wrong <laughs> about Julia Julius Randall because I know I watched these guys with my eyes. I don't understand how I'm wrong about this right now. I've watched basketball my entire life. Why is Julius Randall performing? And then it happened, and it corrected itself. And that's why I love the game because Miami <laughs> should not have won the series. Julius Randle should not have been good, and Russell Westbrook and the Clippers should not have won the series. Yeah, it was like the the Julius Randle rubber band was getting stretched so far. Yes. Yeah, in one direction, and it just snapped all the way back to. Oh yeah, this is we were right. We shouldn't oh, have ever doubted. Oh. <laughs> yeah. oh, he does take horrible shots, and yeah. when I was he's worried, not he might be good shooting out his mind. No, because he was making every shot he looked at. It was insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he was a faller. Draymond I have as a follower because I think the punch really derailed their season and um, he had really bad games in that Lakers series and he's just not the player that he used to be. And then I have two Cavs guys that probably, I mean, if they were, this was a bigger story they and they had more media coverage, I probably could have drafted either Garland. So. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to, I thought you would have Mobley and um mitchell as two followers so so i have garland which one out of mobley and mitchell do you think i have probably mobley yeah i have mobley i donovan played really bad but it's tough when you're the only guy who feels like he can make a shot i think like everyone else on that team just during that series i think garland had one good game and other than that it was donovan mitchell had to score every single time and but, it, at least it felt like that but remember the numbers the minute numbers right that was a bickerstaff issue is he played he's just stopped playing Garland at some points for foul issues. Well, I think he had to, I, I I don't know. I thought Garland played really bad. I think he deserved to be a follower and maybe Mitchell does too. Um, but I just kind of gave him a pass. Cause I think he's just a better player. Mobley definitely was a follower. Mobley yeah. severely underperformed. And that's a guy let's buy low on. Cause I will invest in him. He has the talent. He has all the intangibles. He has all the tangibles. He has everything. He's just, he had a bad series. It was his first time in the playoffs, he's and yeah, is he nine? He's not nineteen. He's nineteen, yeah. Or he's either is nineteen he actually... or twenty. He's either nineteen or twenty. Yeah, he's a second year, so he's probably twenty. Um, 
so yeah, uh, I think he's so young. He just had a really bad series. Oh, he's twenty one. Sorry, so he's about he's just Yeah, um, yeah, but I'm, still I'm you, ridiculously I'm, young. I'm all in on mobile. Um, the Garland shot numbers. We I remember going on the pod and talk, being like, "This was Donovan Mitchell's fault because he had like forty five shots or something, and Garland was getting like five. So, hang on, I, let me pull it up. Yeah, I just think I think that I put more of it on Mitchell than Garland. Yeah, Garland's I felt... thing is is facilitating. He's not gonna. He's one of those guys where he's like a Jokic type where it, he won't shoot if he doesn't have to. He would prefer to have like a fifteen point, you know, twelve assist game rather than the twenty, the thirty three point six assist on you know forty shots or whatever. Yeah, I just thought he was like running away from the ball and wasn't involved in the offense. He wasn't good. And, yeah, I don't know. And he had some super. Like I said, he had one good game, and he had some horrible, like unspeakably bad games. I don't, I can't see the um. I, all I see is the stats for the series. It was twenty five in two, but I remember he had like one game that was like a four for twenty one. It was something just unspeakable that should never happen. <laughs> yeah. Um. Before we go, can you guess the score of? the Stanley Cup finals right now that they're in the last like they're in an elimination game for the Panthers and the Vegas Knights third period so, of an elimination game the winner if the if the Knights win they win the Stanley Cup yeah for context I know nothing about hockey however I bet on it a lot because I follow guys who know hockey so I know hockey scores um but by the way you're asking this question I mean it's probably like the the Knights are down one zero it's six one, and <laughs> the Knights are up six one right now. They're gonna, oh man! They're win the Stanley Cup. It's third period, fifty minutes left. Uh, I wanted it. I wanted it to be interesting. Damn it! Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, just a random fact. I just I saw that come up on my phone, and I was like, six one in an elimination game. You, that's insane. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, Chuck is in back. Here. Backs to the walls. Let's yeah, fucking turn, really turn up the heat. Really it all on the line there, Florida. Good job. <laughs> yeah. All right. They they beat the Bruins, so fuck them. Yeah. Um. All right. That was a fun segment. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll have Letty and Butsy come back and do their segment. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I think this is probably the better half of the show, uh, hosted by yours truly, Connor Butts. I'm here with my uh, co-host for this portion, Ryan Ledwith. Ledwith, how are we doing? We're doing great. Happy to get into it. Uh, Today, we're going to discuss a few things looking ahead uh, to next NBA season. We're going to talk about... Uh, Our top five teams that we have that are most likely to win the championship next year, our top five favorites going into next year, as well as some sleepers uh, that you can make some money on. Hopefully the Nuggets, like Letty uh, talked to mentioned to me earlier, the Nuggets were what coming into this season? Plus what? The Nuggets were plus 1600. They're plus 1600 coming into this year. That was like the eighth highest. Thinking about that now, it's unbelievable, but hopefully we can give out a sleeper again. Uh, or hopefully give out a sleeper for the first time and it, and it cashes for you guys. But Led, why don't you start us off? Uh, I think we're going to go low to high. Who is your team in the five slot uh, that you like to win it all next year? Okay. My five slot is the Golden State or the San Francisco Warriors, rather. Mm-hmm. At my five. My four is the Boston Celtics. Three is Phoenix Suns. Two Milwaukee Bucks, and then one your reigning champs, Denver Nuggets. Okay, that's an interesting list. Interesting list. I have the Phoenix Suns 
at five. I have the Golden State Warriors at four. I have the Boston Celtics at three. I have the Bucks at two, and I have Nuggets at one. So I guess let's talk about the biggest, I guess, discrepancy between our two lists, that being the Phoenix Suns. What do you like about this Suns team going into next year? What I like about the Suns team is they're probably going to get rid of Chris Paul, or we know they're waving Chris Paul, right? The guy's old. I think he's washed. He's a liability on defense. Um, they have an actual full season. We've never seen someone like Kevin Durant be traded at the deadline before, a player of his magnitude who could affect the game. And also, we know Kevin Durant as – well, I know him as a fraud and a pussy, but most of the NBA respects him. And they respect that he could jump from team to team and kind of fit in seamlessly in any sort of regime that the team's running. So I'm very excited for him to team up with Devin Booker, who looked actually unstoppable during these playoffs. And I think just the more reps that they get together, they're both they're both hoopers. They love it. They love they have this competitiveness, this fierceness to them that's almost like tangible. You could feel it. They're bringing in Frank Vogel on a monster contract. I think it's like $12 million a year, which is – I think that's got to be by far the most a coach is making. So they have a lot of confidence in him, and as they should. He's a great coach. He helped the uh, Lakers win that 2020 bubble finals. Um, and the reason why I have them higher than you do, and I have them at three versus you have them at five, you have the Celtics and Warriors above them. My problem with putting the Celtics that high, and look, I'm not coming at you here. No, go ahead. Just, no, go ahead. We're, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm here to embrace the debate. Okay, embrace I, hope the date. So. I hope so. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. There are way too many question marks for me to, to put the Celtics behind two of the most stable cores in the league which are the Nuggets and the Bucks. So, and then I have them above the Warriors also because the Warriors are getting older. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with Jordan Poole and Draymond Green and what's going to happen with their contracts. What I think will happen, and this is what I'm basing my pick off of, is they'll bring back Draymond. They'll let Jordan Poole go because of all the – Bullshit that happened over the offseason, Draymond punching Jordan Poole, and obviously the Warriors should be more loyal to to Draymond because he's gotten them over that hump and made them a contender. So they're not going to have the money to keep Poole. They're going to let go Poole, and they're probably not going to get a lot back. And I would say this Warriors team, their, their window is closing. Everyone knows it. Um, older teams like that, they rely on depth a lot. And they don't have any cap or flexibility to put depth around them. Like even the Warriors, when they were winning championships, you know, Iggy won a finals MVP. That's how well their role players were playing. Leonardo Barbosa, that guy was hooping. Oh, that's a blast from the past. That's a great Azili, Mo Spates. Like they had fucking players. Give me a Sean. Give me a Sean Livingston. Sean Livingston for crying out loud. Thank Best you. mid-range player probably in NBA history. Come on. Oh, my God. Dude. He won them games in the playoffs down the stretch. And Absolutely. The Warriors are not going to have that type of flexibility. That's why I'm leading more towards the Sun at three, and then we have Bucks and Nuggets at two and one. Respect. So let, let me talk about the Suns a little bit because I think they need to make some big fixes if they're going to want a, t- a title shot this year. Like we saw – 
in order to beat the Denver's, in order to take that like next tier up to be competitive with the best team in the West, they need to beef up their role players. They need to beef up their their surrounding cast around Booker and Durant. Booker and Durant were going for like thirty five each a game, like, mm-hmm. and and they were still losing cons- like pretty consistently. Um, I think they were only able to win when they had like forty apiece. Uh, this they need some help. Chris Paul getting rid of him hopefully frees up some cap space. Uh, and for them, for them to bring in some some uh, minimum veterans, some some low, uh, I guess low value uh, veterans that can, you know, really just play their role. I mean, you look at the Nuggets team like I talked about last night on the pod, or I guess a couple nights ago when this releases, but they had like Bruce Brown and Christian Brown just were excellent at what they did, and they were excellent at their jobs. You know, defense, making big plays on offense, making the right plays, not really making mistakes uh, at all. Uh, so I think if the Suns can find a couple guys to surround Durant and Booker like that, I think um, they'll be in better shape. And also DeAndre Ayton is a huge question mark in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me. They they don't have <coughs> – whoa. They don't have a great – sorry, I said something in my throat. They don't have like a consistent threat at center. Like Ayton kind of just shows up when he wants to. He doesn't really seem to be bought in all the time. It's like oh. when he wants to play. Soft. When, yeah, he's so soft. When he wants to play, he can be, you know, one of the top five, top top guys on the floor. And then when he doesn't want to show up, he's a fucking shell of a human being at whatever, 6'11 or 6'10, or however big he is. I mean, it's a ginormous human being. So I, I think the Suns just need overall more help. And until they get that help, I don't think they're going to take that next step, um, I guess, up into the upper echelon of the West when it comes to, like, the Nuggets. And in my opinion, the Warriors are still up there. Um I, I I don't know what's gonna happen with, with Draymond and Poole. Um it's gonna be interesting to keep an eye on. But they're like the Warriors do have a lot of question marks. But when they're healthy, I mean they just won the finals, I guess, last year now with the same exact squad that they have now. I think where they hurt the most was Wiggins missing the majority of the season due to off the court and personal issues. Mm-hmm. I think that absolutely killed them because he wasn't the same player when he came back. I mean, he was absolutely lethal in the finals last year. I thought he was the difference maker, in my opinion, for for that team last year. I really thought that he was the reason that they got over the hump and, and were able to just consistently put the Celtics away. Uh, he hit big shots left and right and, and just played great basketball. Um, I think so. I think him missing a ton of this season absolutely hurt this team in a great way. Uh, Curry missing a ton of the season as well. When it came to crunch time, when everyone was healthy, there they didn't play great together. Clay well, was obviously that to just prove that you were oh. on the right track. Oh. Warriors plus twenty three in a hundred at an average of a hundred possessions with Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Dre, and Kavon Looney on the floor together, which is the best in the league this season. They have the best starting five. So they have the best starting five, but when they're all playing, when those five are playing, exactly right, and like they didn't all play together all season. So I think I, I I'm assuming that is a pretty small sample size, like based on the injuries and the off the court issues that Wiggins faced, that sample size has got to be pretty small when it comes mm-hmm. to how many games did that, those five start together. So I, I like, I really do like the talent the Warriors have. I just want a full season out of them. Uh, and I think if they get a full season again, Clay was also just absolutely terrible in the playoffs this year. He went off in the regular season when, Curry was out. He had like multi, he had like a 50 point game. I think he had, he had multiple 30 plus point games in the regular season. He was playing great basketball. And then in the playoffs, it was, you know, there was one play that everyone kind of talked about 
where Clay had the ball at the top of the key and Curry was on the wing and LeBron just said, I'm not letting Curry shoot. I'm going to let Clay shoot this open three and he missed it. So I think if Clay can get back to Clay uh, and the Warriors can get a full healthy season underneath them, I think they can be right back up in the mix. Agree. Couldn't agree more. All right. Let's talk about the one twos. Um, actually, let, you know what? This is a little Homer podcast a little bit. We're boss. I'm a Boston native. You're the New York guy on the pod. Didn't see the Knicks in the top five. Don't know if that was a mistake <laughs> on your end or if a little logic crept in your brain, bro. What do you think? I'm a rock person. <laughs> you might Nobody be some, with some of the takes you had this year. I thought you might've been a rock person. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was talking for my heart and not for my brain at, at, uh, throughout that whole next playoff run. I, I want to get your opinion on the Bucks. Okay. You think I, that, I think the Bucks are the best team in the East. I really do. You don't think that Miami beating them, Chris Middleton not being able to really recover as that number two option is worrisome at all? No, because Middleton was still <clears throat> just kind of hurt. Like, I, I, I – it's weird because we're we're making these assumptions like top five teams that we think are going to win. We're assuming all of these teams stay fully healthy all year. And I know that's not going to happen. It never happens. It's basketball. It's sports. It shit happens. But, like, if Chris Middleton can play a full season of basketball, I mean, people forget he was an all-star. Like, he was a phenomenal second option to Giannis. Probably, at a time, the best when they won. He was probably the best number two in the league. Um, and obviously, Giannis getting hurt in the heat series and fighting through injury. He wasn't himself, um, but I don't take away anything uh, from the heat for what they did. They obviously still beat the bucks, but I think there was a lot of, there's a, there's a couple asterisks in that series, whether it's a Giannis injury, whether Middleton was fully healthy, but fully healthy Bucks season. I think they're the best team in the East. I mean, Drew holiday is a fucking monster. I think he had like a 40 point triple double in the regular season. I mean, He's capable of basically doing anything on the basketball floor. He plays defense. He hits big shots. He doesn't make mistakes very often. Um, so I absolutely love him. And I think they have a great role player uh, core as well. Um, mm-hmm. Bobby Portis was in the running for six man of the year. Grayson Allen had a great year. I know um, he started, but he had a great year as well. Joe Ingles had some significant minutes for them still. So yep. I really like the core around uh, or the supporting cast around uh, Giannis and Middleton, which is why I have them above the Celtics. I have them above the Celtics for that exact reason. Yeah. Um, a couple of potential changes for the Bucks for this offseason are Middleton possibly declining his $40 million player option that he has, which I don't see happening. But um, Brooke Lopez is unrestricted free agent right now, and we know him as – He's in the mix for Defensive Player of the Year. He came in second. How big of a deal is possibly losing Brooke Lopez? It's huge. It's huge for this team. He was kind of like – yeah, at times he, he seemed like a glue guy. Like he, he seemed to be at times the guy that kept them together on both ends of the floor. He could hit open shots. And even when people closed out on him, he had the ability to get to the rim uh, like and create plays for others. He obviously was a great paint protector. Um Really, no one scored in the paint in the Bucks all season. I thought Brook yeah. Lopez was phenomenal, but again, he's, he's one of those jumper. Huh? That no jump jumper. The no jump jumper is lethal. It is absolutely lethal. <laughs> it's so slow, but it's so buttery. It's so buttery. It's it's unbelievable. But he's one of those guys. I completely forgot to mention his name earlier. That really is the reason why the Bucks are so good and why the Bucks are the Bucks. 
and like those supporting casts make championship teams. We just saw it in Denver. Um, we saw it even with Miami getting there. The supporting cast around Jimmy carried Jimmy to the finals after the first round, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So it's all supporting cast in my eyes. And if they lose Brooke Lopez, it's a huge loss. Um, but I think if he walks, they can go out and find someone not to do uh, as good of a job as Brooke, but enough to fill the void a little bit to the point where I still uh, feel the same way about them. Okay. I like it. Also, I want to mention Drew Holiday completely upped his game on the offensive side of the ball this season. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, the the depth in his bag that he has now from last year to this year, we saw Middleton got hurt last year's playoffs, and uh, the Bucks were kind of relying on Drew to do more on the offensive end of the floor. This year he really stepped up, was hitting tough shots when they needed him to, so shout out Drew Holiday. The guy's great. I love he him. He deserves a huge shout out. Led. Um, I'm not going to talk about this team because I got a little biases, but give me your opinion on the Boston Celtics. Uh, I know they have a lot of question marks in this offseason, what to do with Brown. Um, Horford may retire, but he's under contract for one more year, so probably have one more year of, of a very aging Horford. Rob Will can't play a whole season, but when he does play, he's fucking unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, so give me your opinion on, on the Boston Celtics. Um, I'm going to take a page out of Jordan's book here. Mm. Steph Curry didn't win until he was 27. We know that. An interesting stat today I saw, Jamal and Jokic were together for seven years before they won anything. So, look, I know it's super frustrating as a Boston fan that you're right there every single year and you just can't seem to get over that hump. But I've been telling you, I think you're a scoring point guard away. Uh, an above average point guard away from being a championship team. I think that's what you need. You need someone to run and settle down your offense and get your scores towards the end of the game and late in the shot clock in positions to score the basketball. Cause you guys can score with anyone you showed during email stretch that you can defend as well as anyone in the league. It's just the way you guys lose is end of the shot clock Tatum dribbling through his legs 25 times and then turning it over when you should have a I don't like I kind of like Chris Paul coming to your team, and mm-hmm. I kind of like him setting up Jalen Brown and setting up Tatum, taking the load off of them, putting them in better positions to score, and then everyone else follows. I think if you get Rob Will healthy, it's a huge plus. Marcus Smart is great at what he does. He's a pest on defense. Like you guys have all the tools. You just need that that point guard. So it'll be interesting to see what the Celtics do this offseason. I'm excited. So in this theory, in this model where we bring in a point guard, does Smart come off the bench? I would say. Or does he play a two? Because then it's kind of it's kind of small ball, but the small ball lineup had its ups and downs for us this year. Like obviously when we went to the two big lineup against the 76ers, that was like the difference maker in that series. And then you didn't see us do it as much against the Heat because of the size. But um, what does the Celtics starting five look like with the Chris Paul or a Tyus Jones, God forbid we saw like, Tyus Jones. <laughs> I like a Tyus Jones. Um, so I'm starting Tyus. And then, I mean, obviously you got to see who's gelling together and who plays well. Derek White stepped up big time in the playoffs. So I think starting him wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. And I feel like Marcus Smart just has that win, win mentality. Mm. If you were to ask him to come off the bench, I don't think it would affect how he plays at all. Um so 
I, I don't yeah, you can go either way. You can go Marcus at the two, you can go Derek at the two. Obviously, in this scenario, you have Jalen Brown on your team, which is a huge question mark. And that's why I have them below the Suns on my five list. Alrighty. I think that sums up our, our top five conversation. I don't really think Denver needs any explanation for why they're sitting at one right now, the reigning NBA champions. Let's get into some long shots. Let's get into some to some possible possible teams that could make some noise and, and could make a championship run in the future. I'm going to start us off with a team that I've just been a fan of for quite a long time because of one deer and Fox Sacramento Kings. Me like at, Yeah. Sitting at plus 3000 to win the oh, title next year. Nice. Um, They pushed the Warriors to seven. They could score. They had the best offense in the NBA in the regular season. I mean, they, their offense was absolutely electric all year. I think if they can hunker down on defense a little bit, um, this team is 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 fucking so talented. Uh, they they have talent and shooting everywhere on the floor. De'Aaron Fox is just one of the most emerging stars in the NBA, as, alongside Sabonis. Um, I want to see this team stick together for future years because although it might not be next year, I think the window for this team is is kind of just starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, which which is makes me really excited because I'm a huge De'Aaron Fox guy. I've been a huge De'Aaron Fox guy and. The Kings crowd is just the best crowd in the NBA. I mean, light the beam. How light can you not get behind light the beam? Um, yeah. So I, I, one of the teams that I, I'm a fan of as a long shot is the Kings uh, at plus 3,000. I like that. Um, I just think they're a younger, more raw version of the Nuggets. So mm-hmm. I think if the Nuggets are, are not banged up, aren't injured, and playing Nuggets basketball, I think they'll win the West. But I do think that there are more question marks to be asked in the East, especially in this offseason, which is why, shout out Dan Malley. Um, oh. I, like, I like the Sixers. I, oh, I, a little Dan Sixers. Malley love. Yeah, why the hell not? Um, guy needs a glass of reality, first of all. Yeah, he's been needing that. that. He's been needing that. Second of all, we know who the Sixers are, right? Embiid just had Nick Nurse, who's a winner. Just got Nick Nurse. Um Rumors about Fred Van Vliet coming to the team. I know I sent you a graphic that I saw on Twitter the other day, which said Fred Van Vliet uh, scored 1.34 points per possession when he had an actual big man setting him a screen. And that big man on the Raptors last year was Jakob Pertl. Which is, I mean, and uh, Fred can probably come in and do what Harden did while also moving the ball a little more to the and defending a lot better than Harden. He's a good defender, but I like Tyrese Maxey coming in and taking that next step as a player. I really think him getting more touches. He's so explosive. He's wildly efficient. Um, and then I checked the rest of their roster. PJ Tucker's got another year left. Tobias Harris has another year left. Like they have all these pieces. They're not losing anybody besides possibly Harden and Harden for Fred Van Vliet swap. I think that it's a positive. So, let me get this. Let me ask, let me pose a question. Does your opinion on this team change if they don't get Fred VanVleet? If they do get Fred VanVleet, or if they if don't? they don't, so say you oh, you, yeah. kind of, you kind of spoke it as you know you think this team is going to get Fred VanVleet and then they'll have a pretty pretty good shot as winning at winning, especially in the East, as, as good as anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they don't get Fred VanVleet and they either keep Harden or let Harden walk and bring in some other smaller piece, your opinion on this team changes? Well, if they let Harden walk. And they don't get Fred VanVleet, they don't have enough. They don't have nearly enough. If they keep Harden, 
I don't like Harden. You know that. I don't. I don't think he plays winning basketball. I think. I mean, not that this guy has any sort of credibility right now, but Doc Rivers came out and said it was hard to coach Harden because the way you win championships is by moving the ball, and Harden didn't move the ball. So absolutely, I like this, and especially with Nick Nurse. I like Fred Van Vliet and his experience that he has with Nick Nurse a lot more than what Harden has with Daryl Moore. Yeah, so we we've been uh I guess anti Harden guys for a while now. Um we we went we sat in our room last year and you pulled up a whole like eight minute video on Harden's playoff performances and how bad he was. Uh-huh. So this is kind of definitely an anti anti Harden group here. Um but I like what you said about Fred Van Vliet. I think he was really efficient. I it'll be interesting to see how this team plays when or how Fred Van Vliet plays Van Vliet if he goes to uh-huh. Philly. Uh, alongside like another big scoring threat because mm-hmm. in Toronto it was basically just him like it was literally just him that could score you know 20 a night consistently yeah I so mean so it'll Jakob be... just spinning from half court Jakob or Precious uh, I'm a big Scotty Barnes guy I think they they have a piece there that they could help they could they could build around but you know mm-hmm. they didn't have a lot of you know, Gary Trent like they didn't have a ton of ton of weapons uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how he could play alongside a superstar uh, like Joel Embiid. Um, I, I got a question for you. Mm. What do you thought about the Clippers right now? I just don't think they're going to be healthy ever. I just don't think Kawhi is healthy ever. Um, I, I was looking at them when I was thinking about making my top five rankings and I almost slid them in there, but it's like this team is not, they can't stay healthy. Kawhi cannot play like multiple basketball games in a row. And these are like real injuries that he's suffering and real like debilitating injuries that he's having that prevent him from playing. It's not like he's just being a bitch and not playing. Like he physically cannot play basketball. Um, But I think like if Kawhi and Paul George can stay healthy for an entire season, they're great. But, you know, we talked about like making our top fives with no major like injury stipulations. You just have to, you have to have the injury stipulations when you're talking about the Clippers. Like it's just built into their team identity at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think their supporting Horrible cast is pretty identity. solid. Huh? Horrible identity to have, by the it's way. It's a just horrendous identity, but it's kind of the point we've gotten to. I mean, they looked pretty good against the Suns, and then Kawhi is just like, nah, I'm out. I'm hurt. And Paul George was hurt, and they were just they had they stood no chance. So or vice versa, where Paul George was playing and Kawhi was hurt. Right. So it was like either one of those guys were hurt at the same time or both were. Um, so I don't know where this team goes, honestly. Like I they they have a lot of question marks and honestly they could be looking to blow it all up soon. Um I I think this is maybe the last year. It's maybe the last year. Maybe we see halfway through the season at the trade deadline, they move the two pieces and completely blow the whole project up because honestly, that's not a bad idea. They blew a three one lead in the bubble and that was their best chance at it. Mm-hmm. Um so going forward, I expect kind of the Clippers to not be in contention for a very long time after this season. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, a couple more teams I want to talk about. Um, shot in the dark, but what are you feeling about the Pelicans? I like Zion. I like when Zion plays. I think this team is really fucking good when he plays. But I saw a stat today. I think he's averaging 28 games a season. Oh through his God. first whatever three four years in that three four years in the NBA, he played thirty three games at Duke. 
in a season in his, in his freshman year. <laughs> he played 33 games his freshman year at Duke and has and has averaged 28 games a season in the NBA. That's ridiculous. He can't play. He can't be healthy. Um, like it's it's another one of those things where it's like he has an active injury and he's just always actively hurt to the point where you can't count on him being healthy for a full season. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's my thought on them. But like when he plays, this team was fucking really exciting to watch early on in the season. Yeah. Uh, everyone kind of had them as like a as a sleeper team and could make some noise. And then all of a sudden Zion goes out. You know, there's twenty and ten. <laughs> There's like 25 and 10 out the window. So like, it's just, it stinks, but uh, it is what it is. Um, I think his career is going to have a similar trajectory to Joel Embiid as well. People forget that the process took so long. It was grueling. It was like three years. Embiid was out three years before he played a game. Uh, And we know what Zion's capable of when he plays. And Brandon Ingram is a dog. Um, CJ McCollum is very, very good at basketball, and they they have all the pieces too. They have those long, athletic wings that can defend, like Herb Jones and Trey Murphy, that can also shoot. Like they, they have what you need to make a run, and they they would be able to match up with pretty much any team. They'd be able to match up well with the Nuggets, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm like I said, I'm a big Pelicans fan when Zion plays, but 25 and 10 out the window, and probably the biggest physical presence on the floor. They're just not even close to the same team. So you got any more teams you want to discuss before we wrap up here? Yes, I actually would. Okay, go ahead. Let's discuss the Cleveland Cavaliers. Why don't you give me your thoughts as uh, as a Knicks fan who faced this team? And honestly, many were saying that it was a fraudulent win from the Knicks and that the the, the Cavs just didn't show up. I'm going to so kick their ass. Who's opinion that? on this team? Um, I think they're a year or two away still. I mean, when Jared Allen is saying the lights are too bright for you, yes, it's a testament to MSG and how it's the world's most famous. Ah, oh, here we go. Here, here we go. Whose brains get scattered in there. Like, that's what happens. It's also a dark place to play. So going from the very depressing dark place to the bright lights of, I guess, New York City. I guess those a full 180. It is a full 180. Full 180. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're just – they're young. Evan Mobley – uh, he had stretches where he was good, but he also disappeared. Um, I think if you play physical against him, you could take him out of games. And I do think – I don't like two ball-dominant point guards. We saw it was tough to get Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell touches consistently. And, you know, Donovan Mitchell is a volume player. When he hits a couple, he gets going. But then what that happened in game one against the Knicks, and he had 40, it took Darius Garland out of the game. And they couldn't win like that. So – I think take this offseason to figure out who they are as a team and build an identity. Um, I think they have the talent to do it. I just think they need to come together as a team. Uh, And I don't like them this year, but maybe down the line, I think they could definitely make some noise. I'm with you. How do you feel about uh, Bickerstaff? Bickerstaff I like. I thought he was great. Everyone sang his praises on the Cavs. They said he's a player coach too. Which is huge. Uh, Huge. We know how big that is. Um, uh, and then lastly, what do you think about the Miami Heat being at plus 2,700 to win the finals next year? I just don't think there's a way they do it. I just I, Unless they go out in the offseason and do something, mm-hmm. then they 
they don't like it's clear they didn't have the talent this year and whether they got you know lucky or this or that they still made the finals but everyone knew they didn't have a shot in the finals like mm-hmm. the nuggets were clearly the superior team physically and i thought the i thought the heat were tired i thought they were absolutely worn out by the time they got to the finals jimmy uh, mainly but Gabe Vincent and Struess were nowhere to be found. Caleb Martin was nowhere to the uh, play to his ability uh, that we saw in the Celtics series. So I thought this team was tired. I think some experience is good for them. But if you want to talk about them against the fully healthy Bucks or uh, possibly like a revised Celtics team a little bit and possibly with a different mentality, mm-hmm. um, like, it's, like I said with the Celtics, they need to go to just like be with David Goggins for like an entire month and they'll come back <laughs> as the best team in the NBA. But um, – I, I I don't think they're getting through those teams. I think the East is a little more open than the West. Uh, than the West, I think there's a lot of very vari- uh, variables in the East with the Celtics, with the Sixers, um, with the Bucks as well. But but I I would say less with the Bucks. I think the biggest one would be Brook Lopez for them. Uh, but I just don't think the Heat are good enough. I mean, there's a reason that they were the eight seed coming into this playoffs, and there's a reason that they were you know three minutes away from not even making the playoffs. Yeah, there, there's yeah. a reason for that. So um, just to give you a little insight on what they could do with their roster this year, Kyle Lowry is on the last year of a $30 million deal. God, he's getting paid $30 million. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Tyler here is making 27 mil. I don't expect them to move him. Duncan Robinson is making 18 a year. So oh, he, has, he had the biggest robbery of a contract in NBA history. Honestly, though, after these playoffs, he came closer to earning that money. But he didn't even play in the regular season. He wasn't even know, in the rotation. Up. He stepped up. He, nice did. Step up. he did. You know what? He's a New Hampshire guy, so I got to give my props. Yeah, give him your props. Um, and then, I don't know, look for the Heat to – I don't know who would take on Kyle Dame. Lowry. But – Dame or possibly a Kyrie signing, a scoring guard who could get you a bucket down the stretch. Okay. And and it, I think Bam, if Bam plays like he did in the finals mm-hmm. throughout the whole season, throughout the whole duration of the playoffs, I mean, they're completely terrible against against Boston. He was terrible for most of the playoffs. And all of a sudden he was 20 a game on 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 the two-time MVP and you know, no doubt he'll be the best player in the world. So Mm-hmm. Um, very interesting stuff with, with that heat team. There's a lot of variables with them. Um, Dame, I think is probably the biggest name out there that I've been hearing associated with this team, but, uh, what the package would look like for Dame would be very interesting. I don't know if Miami has enough draft capital to get Dame there. I agree. And I, and I think Dame, I heard a report today that Dame was trying to look internally to see who they could bring to Portland rather than shipping Dame off and, and, and actively looking to be traded. But, I mean, who the fuck wants to go to Portland? He's got to give it up, dude. When do you like, think he just looks himself in the mirror and says, it's not going to happen? He's going to do it too late. Like, he almost is already doing it too late. Like, how old is he? Is he 30 what? He's, he's anywhere between 30 and 32. I mean, that is a great – I mean, that's a Dame Lillard age. He's 32, mm-hmm. right? He's he's by far in the back half of his career. Mm-hmm. He's playing great still, but he's playing on a fucking horrible team. So, like, you know, he puts up 71, and it's like, yeah, I, he should put up 71 with the guys he's playing with. Uh, Jeremy Grant was solid. Anthony Simon. Like Salty okay. Black and semi-pro. Yeah, yeah, literally. So, um, 
I don't know. I, I think Dame needs to give it up. I don't know if he ever will. And if he doesn't, it's just like, like what, you know, we'll sit here and in 10 years and look at him and be like, why the fuck did you just get, want to get traded? I mean, you could have probably won a ring. You probably could have gone to LA or could have gone to fucking anywhere else early in your career. And you probably would have two, three wing rings, but you decided to stay in fucking Portland, uh, Oregon. And, and just can't teach that loyalty. You can't teach the loyalty, but it got him, it, it's probably going to get him absolutely nowhere, which is a shame. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. Dan, we love you on here. We do. We're, we're I mean, I'm, we're Dame fans. It's just, it's a, he's, an un, he's in an unfortunate position with the uh, market that he's in. I mean, no one wants to go to Portland, Oregon to play basketball. Yeah, I don't blame him. All right. I think that'll do it. You got anything else or are we good to wrap it up? I know you got a big softball game to go to. Big softball game. Wish me luck. You know what? Hit him hard. All right. Hit him hard and hit him far. Okay. That's my advice. Thanks, Pa. Appreciate it. All right. That'll do it for this episode, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening. Hope Max and Jordan carried their load because we for sure did. But uh, we'll see you next time. Peace. Later.